Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications. This is Late Night Council. This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here. Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's the real thing. A radio signal from another world. That's my grandpa. Well, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history. That's pretty cool, I guess. Give it to me straight. So, how late do you want to go tonight? Do you want to go to 11.30? You want to go to midnight? You want to go to, I don't know, I don't want to go to 10.30. I want to go to 11. I would like to, I would like to, to, I would like to have all the problems of the world solved by 11. Um, I can do it if you help me. I'm going to try and do it if you don't help me. Not that I need any help. I mean, it's great to have you here. Great to have you listening. But I, I, I have a lot easier time solving all the problems of the world if you know if, if you're uh, participating with me. So here's the phone numbers. Okay, it's late night council. It's uh, it's ask the pastor. It's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. If you're in the capital region, that's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. If you're calling from far away exotic places. Like uh, Punky Doodles Corners, uh, that's right here in Ontario. Or if you're calling uh, from uh, a Spotted Horn, North Dakota, Cash, Texas. I wonder if they have credit cards. Or Hurl Rocks, South Carolina. Yeah, Hurl Rocks, South Carolina. one 562 4766 is your number. That's one 562 4766 it's going to be open line. It's going to be open topic with that kind of ask the pastor twist to it right up to 11 o'clock. You can email me, but you got to keep it under six lines, okay? JC at LateNightCouncil.com. JC at LateNightCouncil.com, okay? You can tweet at me, at JWCouncil, and I'll put your Twitter handle out there and Twitter handle, whatever you call it. I'll put your Twitter handle out there. You'll become world famous, and you'll be, you know, uh, neck and neck with Justin Bieber when it comes to, you know, followers, okay? If that's your if that's your uh, favorite mode of communication. And I like Twitter. I do. I got to confess, though, man, it's a downer. Spiritually, it's a real downer. I mean, man, people just say like really, really mean things on on Twitter. It's it's wow. It's and it can be draining. You know, it, it can be really spiritually draining. The positive side is you get you get opinion unfiltered, and a lot of times it's kind of fun when people say things probably they shouldn't have, and you know it's out there, and you know they try to retract it, and then before they retract it, it's all over the place. And you know, Twitter sometimes is uh, you know is a newsmaker in its own. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of incredible positive good stuff on Twitter as well. You know, some of the, some of the best lines, some of the most inspirational lines, some of the most life-changing lines I've ever read, I've read on Twitter in the last three years, you know, it's not all bad. You just gotta, you need a pretty good filter. Maybe you want to talk about that tonight. I don't know. I got all kinds of stuff to yak about and I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure, and I wasn't feeling that great last week. I didn't want to tell you, but, you know, we ended a little early last week. I think we ended about 10.15. I don't think that's going to happen tonight. I think, if anything, we may go over, and uh, because I own the radio station here, I, I can go past 11 if you want, okay? And and if I'm not done tonight, I may just do that, okay? Even if there's no callers coming in, I may still be going, okay? So uh, uh, keep that in mind, uh, but... Uh, 
I always have a lot more fun. And I know it's not all about me. It's all about you. You're tuning in. You know, we want this to be everything it needs to be for you. Okay. Three, four, three, seven hundred forty three ninety. Okay. But I have a lot better time when you're calling in and we're interacting. Okay. I got stuff to yak about when, but you come up with stuff that I find always stimulating, you know, especially on the Ask the Pastor night, which is the only night I do now on Sunday nights. Three, four, three, seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region. That's three, four, three, seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is long distance. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. I still subscribe to McLean's magazine, and uh, I've got man. I I have. I am more cynical about the news than I've ever been. I don't trust mainstream media news at all. Probably, I don't read as many newspapers as I used to, but I'm online way more because I have found news sources online that are trustworthy, that are objective, that are going to give me a good, like, a, a, a well-rounded understanding of, of the news. And uh, they make no bones about where they're coming from. Now, I still follow, you know, news services that, I you know, I don't agree with their perspective, but at least I know where they're coming from. And, 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 and different news organizations and different commentators, you kind of know what they're going to say before they say it but every once in a while every once in a while a commentator kind of impresses me you know and and, and prints a story or, or puts a story out on the news that is uh and that is uh, you know a little bit more original than i thought it would be and uh, i've been following uh, i mean not following but i've been aware of ann kingston who does a lot of writing off for mclean's magazine uh, when it comes to moral issues family issues marriage stuff like that and if you've seen McLean's Magazine here in Canada on uh, on the newsstands, uh, it's a special commemorative issue, the Canadian Dream at 150. Of course, it's our 150th anniversary here, and there's all sorts of uh, articles in this issue, this week's issue, that are based on uh, uh, surveys that have been done. Okay? Now, um, all the survey questions, of course, are all of a politically correct nature, and of course, they wanted to ask questions to see where Canadians are really at. And I think, I think the editors and I think the powers that be at McLean's Magazine were a little surprised when they got the answer to this question. Here comes the question. And Ann Kingston, again, has done a lot of writing on moral issues, marriage, religious, and that kind of stuff, okay? And the question was, when a couple gets married, which of the following do you support the most? Okay, got that? When a couple gets married, this is Canadian now. This is McLean's Magazine. This is the highest profile national weekly news magazine in Canada. This is not the States, okay? When a couple gets married, which of the following do you support the most? Okay, and here's the three options. One person takes the other other's last name, okay? One person takes the other's last name. The last names of the two people are hyphenated. That's the second choice. The third choice, each person should keep their own name. Now, of course, in Quebec, you can't change your name. It's the, 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 you know, the, you, you don't change names when you get married in Quebec, okay? So that's a province that has it that way. So I, I would think, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, we always hear about the breakdown of the family. We always hear about, you know, like, uh, uh, well, I mean, it, it opens a can of worms on all sorts of uh, 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 all sorts of uh, topics, like uh, family, uh, uh, even transgenderism, um, same-sex marriage, uh, feminism. I mean, this question affects all those isms there, okay? When a couple gets married, which of the following do you support the most? Number one, one person takes the other's last name. Number two, the last names of the two people are hyphenated. Number three, each person should keep their own name. Now, 
here's what was really surprising. They divided it up amongst age groups. The two main age groups were baby boomers and millennials, okay? Baby boomers would be anybody that is born after 1960, but before, sorry, 1965, okay, between 1945 and 1965, and millennials, I guess, would be the generation after. So it's a generational divide. And I think this is quite interesting. Amongst baby boomers, amongst baby boomers, 46% said you should keep your own name. That's baby boomers. Do you know what it was for millennials? It was only 33%. In fact, baby boomers said 44%, so 44%, less than you know those that think they, know they should keep their own name, 44% of baby boomers said you should take the other person's names. Millennials, the younger generation, 55% said that you should take the other person's name. Now, that kind of flies in the face of everything we're told about where the family's going and marriage and love and commitment and divorce and everything else, okay? Now, Ann Kingston comments, and of course, I want to hear your comments or, you know, anything else that's on your mind, but I want to start out with this tonight. More than half of Canadian millennials and Gen Xers believe a married couple should share the same name, while fewer than half of the boomers do. So the younger generation is more into, you know, taking on the person's name than the boobers are. And Ann Kingston says this warrants discussion, particularly when twinned with another result. When asked whether that name should be the woman's or the man's, a wording that leaves out gay marriage, nearly all, nearly all, 99% said it should be the husband's name. What that shows, this is what Ann Kingston says, because I want to comment on what she says, because she's, she's reacting typically the way... I would expect mainstream media to react. What that shows, again, she's interpreting. She's coming off as trying to be a reporter, but she's editorializing. Here we go. What that shows is not only a generation gap, but also a return. She calls it a return to tradition at a time when more than one in three women earns more than her husband. Now, Ann Kingston says it's a return. I disagree with Ann Kingston. I don't think... It's a return at all. In fact, I think the pressure, particularly the cultural pressure, to change marriage norms, okay, I think I think it hasn't had much of an effect as people think it is. They like to promote it, those that, you know, uh, you know, want to redefine family and redefine marriage. They're trying to, but it's not as having as much resonance as people think it is. Millennials, more than anyone, are not buying it. I find that refreshing. How do you find? I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. It, 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 it makes me think, hey, maybe this generation isn't, you know, a write-off like I thought it was. Now, as I mentioned before, Quebec changed their laws long ago that you can't even change your name when you get married, okay? And probably the main reason they did was because Quebec has by far and away the highest number of of common law relationships, common law marriages of any state or province in North America. Way ahead, way ahead, like double the second most prevalent, okay? Now, I don't know if the two correlate, but they've also had, if not the highest, amongst the highest suicide rates of any state or province. 
in North America. Now, the territories are higher. Nunavut, because of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, um, Aboriginal peoples and the struggles that they have with culture and the horrible job we've done in managing Aboriginals here in Canada. And I think anybody who was honest would tell you that we've done a horrible job managing it. Nunavut, Northwest Territories, and Yukon have higher suicide rates than Quebec, but they're not provinces or states. If you go by provinces or states, Quebec has led in its suicide rate for, for decades. Now, you can call it an argument, but I think there's a correlation. There was so much control. There was so much, and some people would say oppression, with that culture being ruled by the Catholic Church in the 60s and the 70s, there was a, a, a huge backlash against all authority. Very, very France-like in that in the 1700s when the French rebelled against the church and embraced atheism like Voltaire, and you know what happened there. Well, it, kind of the same thing in a, on, a, on a smaller scale in, in, in Quebec. And when they rebelled against you know the Catholic Church's authority, they rebelled against just about everything that smacks of Christianity. And one of the things that smacks of Christianity, even a sacrament in the Roman Catholic Church, is marriage. So I don't think you can argue, and if you want to, please feel free and call again. I don't think you can argue. The main reason you know Quebec leads the, uh, the continent in common law relationships is for that reason alone. For that reason alone. A rebellion against the moral authority of the Catholic Church. That if you know anybody that's been raised in Quebec, you know, especially people that are 40 or over, they know the kind of control the Catholic Church had over just about every community and every decision. Powerful influence. And now in Quebec it has amongst the lowest church attendance of any province or state in North America. But even including Quebec surveyors in this in this national survey, it's it's not just exclusive to English Canada. It was exclu- it was you know right across the board. More millennials believe in taking the name when a couple gets married that they should both have the same last name. More couples that are millennials believe that that's should be the case than baby boomers. I think they've seen the weakness of what we are, what's being foisted upon us and what's being forced upon our culture. These are cultural norms. This is the way marriage is now. This is the way, you know, morality is now. This is the way you should raise your family. And I don't think it's resonating as much as they would like to think, think it is. The vanguards of culture, so to speak. 343-700-4390. That is, that is the number to call in the capital region. 1-844-562-4766 is... That long distance number that, uh, oh my goodness, it's uh, it, it's good for everywhere, okay? If you want to email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. It's got to be under six lines. jc at latenightcouncil.com. And you can tweet at me at jwcouncil. I got so much stuff. So There's a lot of really, really interesting stuff here tonight. You're going to want to stay where you are. Or better yet, you know, get on Facebook, get on Twitter. Hey, Council's live. Call in, you know? Go to LateNightCouncil.com. Push the Listen Live button. Tell your friends about it. Hey, you're the only advertising I got, you know. I mean, we don't have a big PR budget here, but we do have committed advertisers, and you're going to hear from them. And we're going to be right back after that. Stay with us.
EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. How's that for a commercial break? I got one commercial. One, not bad, huh? Yeah. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. That is the long distance line. Welcome back to Late Night Council. So I, I, I went to the commercial break, telling you that uh, I don't think millennials are buying it. You know, the, the, the brand of morality, the brand of, uh, well, this is what marriage is. This is what the family is now. I don't think they're buying it. I really don't. Not as much as people would say they are. I think it's a lot of propaganda that goes, I think it goes against our natural inclinations as human beings. It certainly goes against what, you know, all of civilization has been built on when it comes to family and marriage for the last oof, thousands of years. Got an interesting uh, headline here. Liberals attempted to censor college speakers twice as often as conservative study finds. Oh, gee, you know, something that I've been suggesting has been happening for a while in a number of other commentators, and yet now they've got a study that proves it. And the way free speech is being tackled in university campuses across North America well, I, I, you could see why part of the uh, part of the uh, um, I would say the the philosophy of molding young minds is to revise history. That was part of uh, 1984. Uh, you know, George Orwell's 1984. That was part of how the communist, you know, spread their propaganda in communist Russia. Still goes on in China. Oh, North Korea. Oh my goodness! It's uh, the propaganda. What they feed their kids there is almost comedic. In fact, you can go online and you can see some of these cheesy, crazy North Korean videos. And remember, they don't get any outside media at all. So they've got this totally warped understanding of what the world is. And if you know anything about how, you know, Hitler molded the minds of of, uh, Germany and, you know, what he deemed by his propaganda department was popular. And, 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 I mean, he changed the whole culture there. He had them believing things that, you know, they're still... You know, still reeling from 80, 90 years later. And the way they're, the way they're revising history is unbelievable. And anybody that wants to come in there and remind them, you know, of what our countries and what our culture is built on, uh, they get censored. I'm going to give you a bit of this. This is from Mikhail, uh, Mikhail uh, Grabowski. 
And uh, uh, like a lot of the stuff that that I glean, it's from uh, ChristianPost.com. Of the 333 disinvitation attempts documented by Heterox Academy, okay, Heterodox Academy, and that's a group that identifies itself as being dedicated to advancing viewpoint diversity in higher education. They released an analysis last Tuesday regarding the censorship of speakers invited to colleges and universities in North America in 20, 2000 to 2016, so over a 16-year period, okay? Of the 303 disinvitation attempts documented by Heterox, Heterodox sorry, Academy, 200 of them were from left-wing activists, 102 were from right-wing activists, and 31 were labeled not applicable. So you see what's going on here? The leftists in university are demanding censorship and trying to shut down free speech twice as much as conservatives are. Yet from, and this was an interesting trend I noticed in the article, and I, I've posted a bunch of these articles on Twitter today, and, and if you want to go to the Late Night Council Facebook page, you can le- read the entire article so you know I'm not quoting them out of context here. Yet from 2010 onward, there is a noticeable increase in disinvitations attempts from the left of the speaker relative to the disinvitation attempts from the right of the speaker. In other words, it's pretty well even from 2000 to 2010. And then in 2010 to 2016, it's almost all exclusively left-wing activists trying to shut down free speech and speakers coming in to speak at, you know, uh, uh, conferences, speaking at uh, 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 convocation ceremonies, graduation ceremonies. They've actually studied how, you know, what type of speakers are getting attacked on university campuses. When disinvitation attempts are unsuccessful, Moderate and substantial event disruptions are almost exclusively from the left of the speaker. In other words, when there's when there's violence, okay, and when it gets out of hand, it's it's never conservatives on university campuses. Now, some of you might be asking, John, it's ask the pastor, why are you even going to the political realm here? Because, because if we don't value or we don't protect free speech, okay? Free speech in North America. There's coming a time when I will not even be able to share the gospel. I will not be able to talk about Jesus Christ. I will not be able to, well, even in Canada right now, if I call certain things sin, and we're going to get into that really thick tonight because you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that's going on, where people who are simply you know, wanting to bring their kids up to believe the Bible, and they're getting prosecuted for it. It's brutal. And this is where this battle began. This is where, like, you got it to the point now where the Ontario, and I've talked about this often on the program, the Ontario Bar Association does not want to have anybody practicing law in Ontario that's a graduate of Trinity's Trinity uh, uh, University's law school out in British Columbia, even though it's academic standards amongst the highest in North America. But simply because it's, it, it's students signed a covenant that they will adhere to Christian morality purposes, which is in, which is includes no sex outside of marriage, okay? Because they enforce a strict moral code on their graduates, the Ontario Bar Association has already made the decision. They will not allow anybody from that university to practice law in Ontario. It is pure, unadulterated bigotry and discrimination, and yet, 
just about everybody that's in the Ontario Bar Association, and, and it seems that there's hardly any dissenting voices. Oh, I know there's a few, but not enough to sway opinion. All of them, all of them were educated in, in, in you know, pretty highfalutin academic institutions where this type of censorship of any type of Christian morality, which has a lot of its base in, in the conservative side of North American political thought, okay? This is where these people's minds are at. In recent years, efforts by colleges to disinvite guest speakers for political reasons has become an increasing problem for those who believe higher education should be the marketplace of ideas. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, a campus free speech monitoring group, noted that in 2014, disinvitation season rose to unprecedented proportions, with a wave of speakers being disinvited or pressured to withdraw from their speaking engagements. Every year around commencement time, FIRE, that's the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, prepares for what we call the disinvitation season when students and faculty members get together to demand that an invited guest speaker, usually a commencement speaker, be disinvited because they disagree with something that the speaker did, said or believes, explained FIRE. However, FIRE's research shows that while they get the most pressed around graduation time, speaker disinvitation attempts actually take place all year round. And then it it, it highlights what happened in the University of California, Berkeley where there was actually riots because they didn't like, you know, certain conservative speakers coming in to speak. Now, when a left-winger comes in, there's never a violence. There's sometimes protests, never as much as when a conservative comes in. But it seems as though the left-wing, which is you know, on the political spectrum, closely allied to uh, a communism, okay, and boy, you don't want to bring any dissent against communism, you'll get jailed for that. At least that's the way it was in the Cold War. That's certainly the way it is in Cuba right now. That's the way it is in North Korea. And it's like that in China. On the same ideological path. And most people in North America, especially Christians, they don't realize how important freedom of speech is. And I said when it first came out, the whole uh, same-sex marriage thing, you know? Everybody was upset about, well, and here's the line that they, po- that they push so much, okay? You know, how is same-sex marriage in any way, you know, how is same-sex marriage, how's it going to hurt your family? How's it going to hurt your belief? Well, it is, it is affecting just about everything, you know, that, that people of, of, of faith that practice their faith, and it's not, they don't just give lip service to it. Like, when I talk about people giving lip service to their faith, I'm usually talking about politicians because they like to say, well, that's a personal thing, you know, and I don't want to talk about it. And it's only ones that are of, uh, I would say, a nominal Christian persuasion. They like people to think that they're Christians. Justin Trudeau, you know, Paul Martin, Joe Clark. Justin Trudeau got photographed. He's been photographed in more mosques than he's been photographed in, in churches. And the whole thing is inclusion and tolerance and everything. But I find that on the liberal side, yeah, they're really tolerant unless you disagree with them. I mean, if I'm espousing a biblical form of Christianity where I actually believe what the Bible says about sin, forget the tolerance, man. There are people getting beat up for that on university campuses. There are people that are losing jobs because of that. And you hear the cry... How is same-sex marriage violated anyone's rights? Well, when we come back from the info break, okay, I'm going to get into I'm going to get into a a, a pretty um, um, explicit way that it's happening. 
And it's happening over and over and over and over again. Systematically. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. JC at late night dot com is the email address. It has to be under six lines or does it get on the air? And you can tweet at me at JW Council. Okay? I'll get your Twitter handle out there and everything will be just tickety boot. I'm going to take an information break here, okay? Give you some info what's going on. You've heard the message before. You've been following me for a while, okay? Give out the phone numbers again. And then I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you what same-sex marriage has done to culture already in North America, okay? And everybody thought, oh, it's not going to affect your marriage. You know, we just want to be free. We just want our rights and everything. Well, that's fine, okay? But what has happened is a certain group's rights has been has been, you know, promoted, and another group's rights has been silenced. And I would suggest persecuted. And the level of persecution is getting higher and higher all the time. Right back in a couple minutes. Stay with us. and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America, one 844 is on. That's one 844 5624766 Our call service is automated. So you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now don't sweat that. Just follow the on-air prompts and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at tuneinradio.com or Google Play or just click the listen live button at latenightcouncil.com. But you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder.
Late Night Council does not exist without advertisers. So if you want to buy time, email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. And the rates are so cheap because, you know, we're just relaunching and getting things going again. You are going to absolutely love the rates. And, of course, your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. We're back live in just a few seconds. So hang in there. That's what we're doing. 343-700-4390 is the number to call. That's 343-700-4390 if you're in the Capital Region. 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. You can tweet at me at JWCouncil. You can email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. Open line, open topic. It's Ask the Pastor. It's Late Night Council. And I got a bunch of stuff that I want to yak about tonight. And uh, I'm sure you do, too. And part of this thing that, as you know, we went to the break, I said, you know, we heard from, well, how is same-sex marriage going to affect you? Well, here how here's how it's uh, uh, affecting us uh, right now, okay? Right here in, in, in Ontario. And we talked about this about, a little about this last week, okay? We talked about that if you're adopting or if you're fostering kids and, you know, you disagree with, uh, for instance, them, you know, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old boy that wants to be a girl. If you enforce your Christian values on them and, you know, uh, teach them that, no, you, God made you a certain way and that's what you are, you can have your kids taken away from you in Ontario right now, okay? Now, that right there is a perfect example of how same-sex marriage laws have affected, have affected uh, our life here. Okay, and how it's discriminating against people of faith who, if you don't accept that new law, you can't even you can't even raise your kids in that faith anymore. Okay, now, Michael Brown, again, a guy I quote a lot and and I posted this article on Twitter. And if you saw it on Twitter, if you go to my uh, Twitter feed or late night council uh, Facebook page and I titled my post as would Michael Brown get arrested for even writing this article? In Canada, okay? Give you a little bit of it here. In 2012, headlines announced homeschooling families, homeschooling families can't teach homosexual acts sinful in class, says Alberta government. As the article explained, under Alberta's new Education Act, homeschoolers and faith-based schools will not be permitted to teach that homosexual acts are sinful as part of their academic program, says the spokesman for Education Minister Thomas Lukasak, Okay. It quotes him in an article that was in 2012. So, and then Michael Brown comments, so in the privacy of your own home, as you teach and instruct your own children, you would be forbidden by law to teach them what the Bible says about homosexual practice and how, pray tell, was the government planning to monitor this. Now, there's a perfect example right now 
That law out in Alberta would never, would never have been enacted without same-sex marriage going through. Okay? Now you can't even, now you can't even teach, now you can't even teach in, in your own home, you know, what you believe about sin. Okay? Michael Brown goes on. In 2015, Don Stefanowicz, herself the child of a gay father who died of AIDS, raised her voice as well. The headline of her article read, A warning from Canada, same-sex marriage erodes fundamental rights. She wrote, I want to warn America to expect severe erosion of First Amendment freedoms in the U.S. Supreme Court mandates if the U.S. Supreme Court mandates same-sex marriage. Now, this is back in 2015, you know, when they were battling this out in the States. The consequences have played out in Canada for 10 years now, and they are truly Orwellian in nature and scope. Brown goes on, Canada's new law lets the government take children away if parents don't accept their gender identity. What exactly does this mean? It says in Ontario, and it's happened here, has passed a law that gives rights to the government to take away children from families that don't accept their, ch- their child's chosen gender identity or gender expression. Now, that is only for foster kids and for adoptive parents so far. But there is pressure mounting for this to be extended to biological families as well. And honestly, I don't see any cultural pushback at all, any moral pushback. It's only a matter of time before that's going to happen. The Supporting Children and Youth Families Act of 2017, also known as Bill 89, was passed in Ontario by a vote of 63 to 23. Okay? So that means the majority of Ontarians, as represented by their MPPs, passed this. Not only is Bill 89 saying that the government, not the parent, knows best, it is saying that the child, not the parent, knows best. It is saying that it is impossible that little Johnny is confused and that one day he will outgrow his belief and that he is really a girl. No, if he's convinced he's a girl and his parents don't affirm this, he could presumably tell his teachers at school who would then report this to the government. Soon enough, there's a knock at your door. The government agents are taking your son, yes, your very own child, and putting him in a new environment where he can live as Jane. As nightmarish as this scenario sounds, it's now the law in Ontario, and it was passed with ease by a vote of 63 to 23 right here in Ontario. Now, both those those scenarios and those laws, the situation in, in Ontario and in Canada, there's no way it would be like this without same-sex marriage. This is how same-sex marriage is eroding people's fundamentals, fundamental rights and freedoms. The freedom to raise your kids the way you want to. The freedom of religious expression. The freedom of belief. And I've said all along, behind this, behind the gay activist agenda that pushed for, free, for same-sex marriage, promoting it as some type of freedom thing, comparing themselves with blacks in the southern United States in slavery and how they were, they were discriminated against. And pretty well much everybody has bought it. And, and their agenda all along was to silence, not only silence anybody who disagreed, but persecute, imprison, and I would suggest there's probably, from what I've seen of the hatred that's been on university campuses in the last six months, I don't think we're too far away where people who disagree with these people, they want them executed. Don't think it can't happen because the absolute barbarism that happened in Germany. Remember, Germany was a very sophisticated country, a technological leader as it is today. With a rich history and a rich culture, how in the world did those people 
fall underneath a leader that convinced them, you know, if we get rid of all the Jews, everything's going to be wonderful. And the same scapegoating is anybody who disagrees, anybody who disagrees and holds to the biblical line of what, what family and, 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 and marriage is all about. And this is only starting. Brown continues. Going to give you a little more here. The flagship gay publication, The Advocate, celebrated an eight-year-old drag queen, meaning a boy who identifies as a boy but who likes to dress up as a girl. And here is the report. Yes, Montreal's newest drag superstar has the poise of someone four times his age. A new girl on the Montreal drag scene is making the city's other queens look geriatric by comparison. That would be Lactatia, also known as Nemes Quinn Melanchon Golden, an eight-year-old who started getting into drag at the ripe old age of seven. I'm quoting a gay publication here. In this case, the boy's parents are highly supportive of him. But if they weren't supportive of him, since this is part of his gender expression, the government could remove him from his home. That's not that's not futuristic dystopia stuff, folks. That's not 1984 Orwellian. That's happening right now, right here in the Dominion of Canada, from sea to shining sea. Who is opposing science these days? Take the case of Paul McHugh. And a related topic, kind of on the same vein here, and if you want to interrupt me and get a comment in, or you want to take me to task on anything I'm throwing out there tonight, please feel free. I'm all about freedom of speech. I love people calling in and disagreeing with me. Tells me we've still got some freedom in this country. But it's quickly, I used to say slowly, it's quickly disappearing. 343-743-90 is the capital region number. 343-743-90. 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. Who is opposing science these days? Now, you think this is going to be about Bill Nye, the pseudoscience guy. Who's, you know, totally revised. I mean, he's, he's changed scientific fact to promote his, you know, warped views on climate change now. I mean, it's laughable. I mean, it's laughable to anybody who knows the real science behind it, what's really going on. But people, I mean, what we have in universities now has got nothing to do with, with knowledge and truth and, 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 and new ideas. It is dogma, and you are going to toe the line on that dogma or forget it. Here's a good question I could throw out there to you, okay? You want to illustrate my point a little stronger, okay? Think of this question here. Who do you think... Who do you think is going to undergo more persecution on a university campus? Think about this now. Who's going to undergo more persecution? Who's going to be the victim of more hatred? Somebody who comes out of the closet declaring themselves gay? Or someone who comes out of the closet and declares themselves to be a conservative Bible-believing Christian? Who's going to be the victim of more hatred, more persecution on a university campus today? I think that's a relevant question, don't you? I think it illustrates perfectly where people's heads are at and who the scapegoats are and who the target of a lot of a lot of, you know, so-called new age activism really is. Back to this article. 
And again, I've posted almost all these articles on the Late Night Council Facebook page or if you're on Twitter as well. Who is opposing science these days? Take the case of Paul McHugh. Now, does that name sound familiar? Well, listen. Paul McHugh was the Henry Phipps Professor and Director of the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Okay? That's one of the highest profile medical you know, institutions in the world. Okay? He was the Director of the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Services, Psychiatrist-in-Chief from 1975 to 2001. Today, today, remember, historical revisionism, okay? Today, McHugh has been labeled a heretic of psychiatry. What did he do to deserve that label? Well, in 1979, he ended sex reassignment surgeries at John Hopkins School of Medicine saying that producing a satisfied but still troubled patient seemed an inadequate reason for surgically amputating normal organs. And we have a culture that is promoting this as not only normal, but it should be encouraged. And don't you discourage anybody from you know going that way, even if they're as young as seven, six, five years old. Later in an influential essay in the Wall Street Journal, McHugh pointed to a study from Sweden showing suicide rates in those who had undergone such procedures to be 20 times higher than in the non-transgender population. Oh, I thought it was normal. I thought everything was okay. I thought we need to teach our kids in school in Ontario there's 30, 20, 15 genders. He also cited a study showing that 70 to 80% of children with transgender feelings who received no medical or surgical treatment spontaneously lost those feelings. McHugh writes, given that close to 80% of such children would abandon their confusion and grow naturally into adult life if untreated, these medical interventions come close to child abuse. And for this, he's been labeled a transphobe and worse. According to the Human Rights Campaign, the world's largest homosexual transgender lobby organization, McHugh, has used his platform as a psychiatrist affiliated with Johns Hopkins University to peddle, listen to this, myths, myths about transgender people, not just in his writings, but in courtrooms and state legislators across the country. McHugh has no expertise. This is what they said about the guy. McHugh has no expertise in gender sexuality, they write. Now, the writer of the article here, John Stone Street, said that's hilarious. No, it's not hilarious. That's pure evil. For somebody to to malign and to and to slander this guy's professional, you know, uncomparable, incomparable record on these studies is absolute absolute slander. Over his illustrious career, McHugh had received the Paul Hosh Award of the American Psychopathological Association, the Joseph Zubin Award of the American Psychopathological Association, and the highest award of the prestigious National Academy of Sciences Institute of Medicine. And now he's called a peddler of junk science because he disagrees with one of the most powerful lobbies in the world, the gay activists. So now you can be internationally renowned expert in your field, but if you tick off the cultural power players, you're a hack. The fad, he says, again, this, this is uh, uh, McHugh, the fad of transgenderism will fade away. Even though Johns Hopkins, now that's his words, not mine, okay? He said the fad, he calls it a fad. I'm not so sure I agree with him, but this is what he says. The fad of transgenderism will fade away even though Johns Hopkins has resumed the surgeries. I keep telling them that they will come to regret it someday. This craze is going to come apart as crazes always do. In the meantime... 
Stone Street talks here. In the meantime, however, there are too many lives, including, and this is why I'm bringing up on Ask the Pastor. In the meantime, however, there are too many lives, including young ones, being sold false hope and false salvation. They're the victims of bad ideas. And that clarifies our Christian responsibility. Christians are always at their best, not only when they stand for truth, but when they care for victims. And this time it will be no different. And folks... We are already beginning to be deluged with victims who are buying the morality that's promoted in the culture and in their in our academic institutions and by lobby groups that have a stranglehold over our politicians. We are already seeing a deluge of kids living with gender confusion. And they're being encouraged to mutilate their bodies permanently. And they're going after them even before the age of puberty when they're at their most vulnerable when it comes to, you know, how they're going to perceive life. Where's God in all this? Where's the church in all this? Boy, I'll tell you, if we don't have a reputation for being open and loving to sinners, no matter what their sin is, nobody's going to listen to our message anyway. This is not a time to go out and pick it. This is not a time to, you know, you want to write your letters and everything. But there's only one institution that can stop this insanity. Okay? There's only one. And it's people who have who have access to supernatural power to institute a cultural spiritual revolution. It's detailed in 2 Chronicles 7.14. A lot of you, a lot of you veterans, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that have never heard of Second Chronicles seven fourteen, look it up while I'm talking right now. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety is the number to call in the capital region. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's the long distance line. Oh, it's open line, open topic, all the way to eleven. I've always got stuff to talk about, but you know, I've got a couple emails I want to look at. I'm going to see if they're going to get on the air. You want to take it another direction? Or you want to reiterate something I've said, or you want to take me to task. Hey, look it, I'm into that. I think that's a good thing. Thank God for free speech. We still got a little bit of it, don't we? Just a little bit. Going to take a quick break. Hear from hear from hear from some very important people. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. You can tweet at me at JW Council. Right back after that. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600.
I've mentioned it before. It's the only Grammy that Elvis ever won. The only Grammy award he ever won was for his gospel album. And this was one of the songs on it. 343-700-4390. That's the Capital Region line. one 844 is the long-distance line. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at me at JW Council. Do you remember Colin Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick. That's the quarterback, you know, for the San Francisco 49ers that wanted to make a statement about Black Lives Matter. And he's black. This guy, at one time, my understanding, and if somebody can help me with this, the guy was a, a very fervent Christian when he started his career. But he seemed to got a little wayward. I, I think he was dating a Muslim girl or something. And he got involved with, uh, you know, political activism of some kind. And, and he felt that, well, I can't stand for the national anthem in the States because, you know, I can't agree with what this, you know, country stands for because of the whole Black Lives Matters. And I don't want to comment on the righteousness or the unrighteousness of that cause. But whatever the cause, I got a real problem with the guy who has benefited from living in a country where he makes $12 million a year because of the freedoms in that country. Dissing that country's anthem. That, that just my opinion there. And I reserve the right to be right. It just seems a little weird. Now, why am I bringing that up? Okay? Well, and, and it's been a bit of a theme here tonight. And, and I'm dealing with the canard, the lie, the deception that, and you hear this promoted on mainstream media, and you hear this promoted by its, promoted, by its proponents and, and, and gay activists all the time. Well, same-sex marriage, it's all about freedom, you know? It's all about inclusion and acceptance. Well, it's eroding freedom of religion rights like crazy, and it's encroaching on people who, I mean, you are going to accept it, and if you disagree, you are going to get fined, you are going to get ostracized, you're going to get ridiculed, persecuted, and I'm sure there are people that, you know, are, are, are going to be ending up in jail. And I know that there's so much hatred for anybody that does not, amongst the gay activist side that's pushing for this, there's so much hatred for people that even disagree with them by a lot of the extreme rhetoric that's out there. Some of them even advocated, you know, like uh, the execution of anybody that, uh, you know, and of course, in the name of freedom and tolerance, you know, because they're just so more righteous than everybody. Well, here's why did I bring up Colin Kaepernick, okay? This is a story you are not going to hear about in mainstream media, but this is remarkable, okay? And this is what it's come to. Two weeks after the U.S. soccer, U.S. soccer announced that both of their men's and women's national teams, listen to this, U.S. soccer men's and women's national teams, they're going to be wearing rainbow-colored jerseys in support of gay pride in June. So just like, you know, when you watch football games and baseball games where you see the uniforms, they're wearing pink shoes and, you know, their uniforms are pink and everything to uh, drum up support for breast cancer awareness, okay? Now it's gone on to the sports field where, you know, all these athletes are now sporting these gay pride uniforms, okay? Well, there was a reaction. Christian soccer player, Jaylene Hinkle, 
has withdrawn herself from the U.S. roster for two international tournaments this month, citing personal reasons. A release from U.S. soccer said Hinkle, 24 years old, who is a defender for the North Carolina Courage, which is a a pro-woman soccer league, was called into the national camp to play international tournaments against Sweden and Norway this month. She was not replaced on the roster after her withdrawal. It is unclear if U.S. soccer's celebration of gay pride this month is related to Hinkle's withdrawal, but she wears her faith proudly on social media. She proudly boasts Colossians 3.23 on Twitter, which says, And whatsoever you do it, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. And then it quotes her comments. If you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from that rejection, the tagline also notes. She also converted a gay pride logo into a celebration of the cross on Instagram. The same day the Supreme Court ruled in favor of same-sex marriage in 2015 while sharing her thoughts on the decision, is what she said. Jesus didn't come to save save those who already believed in him. He came so that the lost so that the lost, rejected and abandoned men and women, would find him and believe. I believe with every fiber in my body that what was written 2,000 years ago in the Bible is undoubtedly true. It's not a fictional book. It's not a pick and choose what you want to believe. You either believe it or you don't. The world may change, but Christ and his word never will, she said. My heart is that, as Christians, we don't begin to throw a tantrum over what has been brought into law today. But we become that much more loving, that through our love and lost, the lost, the rejected, and the abandoned will find Christ. Hinkle went on to declare that the rainbow, despite its current affiliation with gay pride movement, is a symbol of God's promise to mankind. The rainbow was a covenant made between God and all his creation that never again would the world be flooded as it was when he destroyed the world during Noah's time. It's a constant reminder that no matter, again, this is the words of Hinkle that she put out on Twitter. It's a constant reminder that no matter how corrupt this world becomes, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace, even during times of trial and confusion. She said, love won over 2,000 years ago when the greatest sacrifice of all time was made for all, capitalized word all, all mankind. Now, my question is, and that's a beautiful story. That just happened last week. Where's the media celebrating this young lady standing up for her rights? Where is the media, you know, championing, hey, it's great to see somebody stand for what they believe in? Well, you see, they're not going to tell you about Jaylene Hinkle because she's standing up for the wrong rights. Okay? It's only when you stand up for rights that, you know, the culture approves of. Certain rights are championed. Others, you're never going to hear about them unless you're listening to Late Night Council. Or you know what, you know, websites and you know what news commentators, you know, are going to promote the real truth and a real understanding, an objective understanding, a, a historically accurate understanding of where we are at as a culture right now. And because we know where we're at as a culture and because we've got a good grasp of history, a lot of us can see where this is going. And I fear right now, and I don't mean to spread fear, I mean to challenge people. I mean to challenge people who are believers of God to get off their duff and live like Christ lived. And stop hiding in your nice little churches where everything's comfortable and the preacher says everything, you know, that you want him to say. And your goal of going to church is to come back with a thought, oh, that, that just made me feel so good. 
I don't know, man. The prophets in the Bible, they got killed for what they said. Jesus did, how many times do I say, Jesus didn't get crucified for saying nice, kind things. He shook things up. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766. It's the top of the hour. I like what Jelaine Hinkle said about rainbows. So I get a bit of a treat for you. Are you ready for this? I got a bit of a treat for you, okay? Going to take about, a, oh, maybe a two or three minute break here and, and enjoy enjoy us celebration, uh, celebrating what rainbows are really all about. John, you're getting overly cute now. Well, well, listen, before you diss that tune, some of you may not have 
remembered this that are a little bit older, and certainly anybody that's under 40 won't know this. That song won an Academy Award in 1979 for Best Original Song. It was the winner. It wasn't nominated. It won. And it was written long before. It was written in 78, I believe. It was written long before, you know, uh, the gay activist movement adopted the rainbow as one of their symbols. Back when people saw rainbows for, you know, you know what the biblical origin is. Jaylene Hinkle communicated it quite well. And if you're just joining us, professional woman soccer player on the U.S. national soccer team. So she's one of the best female soccer players in the U.S., okay? They're playing tournaments over in Sweden and Norway, and it's, I guess it's uh, Pride Awareness Month in June. And the U.S. national soccer men and women's team are sporting gay pride commemorative jerseys when they play over in Europe. Jaylene Hinkle is a Christian, and she's been quite vocal in a very kind and loving way. She hasn't said anything inflammatory. She said very loving Christ-like things, about, but still adhering to you know, her understanding of the Bible, and she has removed herself from the team for those tournaments. That could be the end of a career right there. Somebody standing up for what they believe in. Somebody glad that, you know, they have those rights, but you watch her get ridiculed now. She's not Colin Kaepernick. Women's soccer players, I don't know how much the highest paid professional women's soccer player makes. Probably in the range of maybe two hundred dollars to $300,000 a year maximum. Colin Kaepernick may never throw another pass in the NFL, but he's made tens of millions of dollars. And he's celebrated as some type of hero, standing up for what he believes in? Yeah, he's standing up for something that Mainstream media and culture applauds. But here's a woman that's going to pay a lot more of a price for what she believes in and what she's standing up for. And you don't even know her name. You wouldn't even have heard for, heard of her if I, haven't, I hadn't mentioned her tonight on Late Night Council. I guess we, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus told his disciples, you know, they killed the prophets before me. And he told them that they were going to kill him. And he said, they're going to be coming after you. If you're really following me. Now, if you if you, if you belong to this like pseudo-cultural Christianity, you know, that doesn't want to rock the boat and, you know, wants to keep everybody happy all the time. Okay. But if you really follow Christ, and even if you're loving and kind and generous and everything that the Bible says you're supposed to be, if you adhere to what the Bible says is right, and if you... Hate sin, not hate the sinner. We're always accused of that, but we don't do that. If you hate sin the way the Bible teaches you're supposed to, okay? And why are we told to hate sin? Because sin destroys people. Because sin mucks everything up. And God hates what sin does to his prime creation, his most beloved creation. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. In fact, he hates sin so much he would rather pay the price for its for its uh, 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 he would rather pay the price for its punishment than compromise with it. And that's exactly what he did when he took on human form and shed his own blood for us. That's how much he hates sin. And he says to his followers, and I could show you scriptures all throughout the Bible, and I've quoted them often on this broadcast. 
To love God is to hate sin. It's a complete package. And if you live your life, you're going to encounter that. What are you going to do? You're going to tolerate it. You're going to let it continue. Or you're going to realize it has the potential to destroy you, your family, your culture, your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, everywhere. If it's checked, if it isn't checked. So it instructs us to be, well, look what Jesus said about it. He said, look at it. If your right eye causes you to sin. I mean, this is extreme. I don't think he was advocating some type of, you know, invalids for Christ organization. But he said, if your right eye offends you and causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to go to heaven maimed than go to hell whole. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Pretty extreme words. But it's an indication of how he wants our attitude towards sin to be. And not just the sins that, you know, a pop culture and everybody's saying, oh, no, it's not sins. I was made this way. Really? Really? So you think you should celebrate your sin because you were born that way? Well, I was born an adulterer. I was born a thief. I was born a liar. And I want you to know if there, if there was a parade for liars and if there was a parade for thieves, I wouldn't be a go-run celebrating my sin. I'd be going to Jesus and saying, God, please get this out of my life. It's destroying me. In fact, that's what I do, okay? That's what I have done. I, I am fully aware of my sin, and I know it will kill me and everybody dear to me. So I don't want that in my life, and I've got hope because Christ came in, and he's capable of changing people. He's capable of changing people from sinners into righteous, holy people. Not stuffy, not judgmental. That's what religion does. Jesus doesn't do that. He turns philanderers into faithful husbands. He turns thieves into people that can be trusted, manning the till. He turns liars into reliable witnesses whose word is their bond. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. But he does it on his terms. Okay? When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, he doesn't serve you. We serve him. Because we're of the belief that he's smarter than us. He's God. We're not. Maybe I should give you a little bit of a break here from, uh, well, I thought this was funny when I saw this. I just thought this was just silly. But it really is in line with what we've been talking about here tonight. The Southern Baptists, okay? Southern Baptists are like, I guess, you know, when you think of fundamentalist Christians, they'd be right at the top there. You know, they really, they really are strong on what they believe. And they're going to let you know. And most Southern Baptists I know, in fact, almost all, I think they're terrific people, really good people. And I think they get a bad rap. And they usually get a bad rap from people who really like sin, who are really into the sin thing, and don't like people that, you know, say anything against sin. So if i got to choose my sides with the ones that are promoting sin and, you know, like saying how wonderful it is, I know they're liars. I'm probably going to side with the bunch that may be a little bit, you know, nah, we, you know, we like our wives. We don't want to mess around on them type thing, you know. So when I saw this, I kind of laughed. Pro LG, this here, here's the headline: Pro LGBT group wants the Southern Baptist to remove homosexuality and transgenderism from the sin list. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get right on that right away, aren't they? Now that sounds kind of funny on the surface, 
But the LGBTQ lobby, they don't have the power yet to jail anyone who disagrees with them. But that's their goal. That's coming. They would love to silence anybody that does it. They are not about, you know, anybody. Don't believe this freedom and tolerance garbage, okay? As long as, you know, you're promoting their rights and their freedom, oh, yeah, they're all about it. But if anybody else's rights disagrees with them, and I'm not even advocating, you know, putting it. I'm not talking about shutting them up. I'm just saying, look, at don't. I shouldn't be criticized, and people of faith shouldn't be dictated by a government, you know, about how to raise our families and what we could say and what we can't say. Since when does disagreeing with somebody on moral issues, since when is that punishable by fines or going to jail? But that's where this is going, and it's already happening here in Canada. Give you a little more here from the, you know, the, the group trying to get the Southern Baptist. Hey, could you could you guys take this off the send list? Because we really feel like we're being discriminated against here. Wow. Faith in America. Okay, that's what, the, uh, Faith in America. That's the organization. They're a pro-LGBTQ LGBTQ organization. Okay. Ultimately, we at Faith in America believe LGBTQ people should be removed from the sin list. We know interpretations and new revelations come to light. Oh, really? Well, that's my italics. Sorry, added. We believe the church will one day stop diminishing the lives of those who are LGBTQ, and we strive to help this come to pass, the organization said in a release. We believe the church will one day stop diminishing the lives. No, 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 no. You don't understand here, okay? Christ has got a better understanding of sin than anybody, and that's why he will out himself to be tortured to death. So nobody, nobody can be victim to sin anymore. Sin has already diminished people's lives, and the only solution is the blood of Jesus Christ. The only solution is to understand that somebody's already paid the price price for your sin, and there's a better life there if you really believe his words when he says, look, at the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, and you might have it to the full. 2 Timothy 4. Again, I, this is the first time I've said it tonight. We're an hour and like 20 minutes, 15 minutes into the show here. and it's the first, I say it almost every Ask the Pastor night, almost every late night council. You know, a biblical perspective, a faith perspective on whatever you want to bring to the program. Well, here's the biblical perspective on some of the stories I've been giving you already tonight. This is 2 Timothy 4. For the time will come. This is prophetic, okay? And I believe he's nailed it. I believe Paul in his writing to Timothy, I think he's perfectly describing the culture we're in right now. He says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires. Have you got that? To suit their own desires. God made me this way. To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn aside, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Myths. They are dissing and slandering the former head of psychiatry of John Hopkins Medical Institute, one of the most prestigious medical institutions in the world. And instead of listening to the truth of what he's saying about homosexuality and transgenderism, they're dissing his character. Turning aside from the truth to myths. Following teachers that are saying what their own itching ears want them to hear. 
343-700-4390 is the Capital Region line. That's 343-700-4390. Haven't had a call tonight. Well, Council, we'd rather listen to you. Okay, that's fine. That's flattering. You know, I, I, I feel encouraged by that. But I get bored listening to my own voice here, and I, I, I you know, and please do not call in just for the sake of calling, and do not do that because that that's not going to go well. Okay. But if you want to add something, or you want to argue about something, or if I haven't covered something that you feel, hey, you, we want to know about this. We want to hear what you think about this. Okay, three four three seven hundred four three ninety. Or maybe you know people need to hear what you think. They may, maybe they've heard enough of what I'm thinking and saying, and they need to hear from you. Three four three. 700-4390, is the long-distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. JC at LateNightCouncil.com is the email address. I want to deal with some emails as soon as we get back. JC at LateNightCouncil.com, and you can tweet at me at JW Council. Now, as you know, as you know, those of you that listen to, you know, my old radio show when I was on CFRA, we used to do, you know, Freebie Fridays and I'd do trivia and all that other stuff. You know that I've been a big, a big comics and superhero fan for a long time. OK, and that goes all the way back when I was going to Dougal Public School in Windsor, Ontario. And because we lived in Windsor, you know, this is back in the mid 60s, early 60s. OK. You people in Ottawa, you were deprived because, you know, you didn't get CTV up here until about 1979. All you had was CBC in the 60s and 70s. I lived in Windsor. Windsor, we had Detroit, okay? From the time I was six years old, I had 15 television channels coming into my home. In fact, my parents, we got ourselves a UHF TV, okay, so we could get all those crazy channels. And I remember the ABC network on Wednesday night when Batman first came on. Oh, my goodness, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. It was the most greatest thing in the world. Even though, I, you know, we had a black and white TV, Batman was everything. We had Batman cards. We had Batman comic books. We had the Batman, you know, little toy cars and everything. We were Batman crazy. And we watched it religiously because on Wednesday night, you know, they would get in trouble. You know, the Riddler or the Penguin or Catwoman or Sobrenny, you know, they'd get them in this crazy trap, and you knew they were going to die. And they ended the Wednesday night show with same bat time, same bat channel. And all day Thursday at school, we'd be arguing and talking about how in the world they're going to get out of this mess, you know? And we had no idea how that was going to happen. And then, of course, on Thursday night, they'd get out of it somehow. And for that one year, I think it was 66, the first year, 65 or 66, oh, it was just wonderful. It was the best. Watched it all the time. Two nights a week. And it was on at 7 o'clock. You know, when you're 6, 7 years old, you get to watch it because it's over at 8 o'clock. That's still before your bedtime, right? Watch Batman, 8 o'clock, go to bed. And then the year later, because it ran for three years, the year later they brought on Batgirl, and that ruined everything. Oh, that's horrible. Get this girl off the screen. It was never the same. But for that year, the first year was wonderful. And you probably know where I'm going with this. Our beloved Adam West, who played that original Batman in the 60s, died yesterday. It's all over the news. He's on the front page of newspapers everywhere a part of all of our childhood. So I thought, you know, I know it's asked the pastor, but, you know, you know me, I like having fun. And we'll get back to the serious stuff when we come back after this. But I dug up, listen to this. Remember the Batman theme? Well, I, about four or five years ago, I went to Blues Fest here in Ottawa, and the Brian Setzer Orchestra was there. Well, what tune did the Brian Setzer Orchestra opened up with? They opened up 
with the best instrumental version of the Batman theme I have ever heard in my life. And I thought, man, I am going to I'm going to find that recording. And I'm going to make sure I get to listen to that another three or four or five dozen times. So here in memory of Adam West, yes, on Ask the Pastor, Late Night Council, is the best version of the Batman theme you will ever hear. And then we'll get back and start talking about like a little more serious stuff after that. Okay, but for now, here it is. I told you that was good. I told you that was good. Did that live up to the hype? Did that live up to the hype? Sure it did. What an awesome version of that song. And it took me by surprise. When I saw them do that live, I never knew they did a you know a version of uh, Batman. So I did, it blew me right out of the water. And that's as, that's as good as when I first heard it, about four or five years ago. We had to go, Brian Setzer. Love Brian Setzer. 343-700-4390. That's 343 343- 700 That's one 562 Got an email from Eric here. Eric's been sending me great, uh, 
Great emails lately. Uh, lately. Way to go, Eric. Doing well. I don't think there's even one. Maybe I think I've rejected one or two. That's all. But he keeps it under six lines, and he always brings up good stuff. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's the email address. That's JC at LateNightCouncil.com. You can tweet at me at JWCouncil. Phone lines are open, though. Calls are always going to take precedence, okay? 343-700-4390 in the capital region. 343-700-4390. is long distance. Eric writes, It has been proven in history that once Muslims reach a certain percentage of the population of a country, they will demand more and more of their way of life on that nation. And as the percentage increases, the less rights other religions will have. In the Islamic religion, there is only room for Islam. Islam is not just a religion. It's a whole way of life, civil and spiritual. For this reason, I worry about the future of my children and grandchildren. For some reason, most people don't see the danger that I see. Am I overreacting? I don't think so. Well, the reason I have read your email now Eric, is because uh, I came across a a riveting article that I posted on Twitter, and you can pick it up on the the Late Night Council Facebook page as well. And for anybody who thinks that, for anybody who thinks that, that all Muslims are terrorists, and that if you're a Muslim, you can't be trusted because of Takia, and I've even talked about that, okay? But really, and I know enough about Muslims that I can wholeheartedly appreciate Michael Brown's latest article that's, again, I've tweeted it out there. It's on the Late Night Council Facebook page, and this is the title of it, okay? Yes, there are sincere, devout, peace-loving Muslims. That's the title. Now, I don't have time to read you the whole thing. But I like I tweeted out earlier in the day for anybody who thinks that, you know, it's a terrorist religion, and everything you need to read this article. And I don't have to compromise anything that I've said on the dangers of the extremist side of the Islamic religion. And the very real element that is devoted to an extreme jihadism where, you know, forced conversions are acceptable. OK. But Michael Brown knows a lot more about. Islam than I do, okay? And even though, you know, I, I know more about it than most, you can't be a, a, a Christian pastor in North America nowadays, anywhere in the world, without having a, a good working knowledge of what, what is really Islam is all about. And I want to share some of this with you, okay? And it may get some reaction. In fact, Michael Brown has already had some people tweet some pretty hateful things against him already because of this article, and it's only been on the Internet in an, for about three days now. So I'll give you a little bit of it here for your consideration, and if it, if it uh, initiates from con- some conversation, well, that's, that's a good thing on Ask the Pastor, isn't it? There are peace-loving Muslims, okay? They genuinely abhor terrorism carried out in the name of their faith. They, too, can point to the Koran as an example of Muhammad to support their peace-loving ways. And their faith also represents a valid expression of Islam. If the only true Muslim is a murderous Muslim, as some claim, then why do so many sincere Muslims believe that murderous Muslims are hijacking their faith? And they do. If you talk to them and you interact with them, they believe that. Here's another question to ask yourself. How many devout Muslims do you know? 
I've had the experience of studying Islamic tests in, Ara- in, in Arabic side by side with devout Muslims. Grads from our ministry school have served for years in the Muslim world, living together with Muslims as they seek to reach them with the good news of Jesus. And they would attest to the graciousness and devotion of these Muslims, who are anything but terrorists. A few years ago, someone very close to me in my leadership team was killed by a Muslim terrorist while serving in a poor Islamic city. Leaving behind his wife and children, I can't say more for security reasons, but I can say this. Immediately after his murder, there was a large protest in his city. Muslim men and women marched down the streets, and I mean devout Muslims, including women covered head to toe. They were protesting his assassination. They held up large pictures of this fine young man. They declared, what these murderers did does not represent our faith. Here, it is not illegal for a Christian to be a Christian. These Muslims took to the street in protest. And in the weeks that followed, Muslim imams preached in their mosque that it was wrong to murder this Christian. I watched the videos that were sent to me, and I wept as I watched. The protesters were sincere, and they risked their lives by marching down the streets since Al-Qaeda was very strong in their country. Do you hear that? Okay? These people are protesting the death of a Christian, and they're risking their lives because they know Al-Qaeda's got a lot of influence in there. They represent millions of other Muslims who also repudiate violent Islam. I've got goofy things going on in my ears here. I hope it's not coming over the air. We've got a little bit of interference. I apologize for that. I'm not a technical whiz, but anyway. They represent millions of other Muslims who also repudiate violent Islam. The missionaries who live and serve among Muslims will testify that the majority of them despise the terrorism too. Now, here's something that you may not or may or may not hear on mainstream media. 130 imams in England in the last week, okay, refused to bury the three London Bridge terrorists. They issued a statement including their names saying, though at no time is it acceptable that such ruthless violence was perpetrated during the season of Ramadan in which Muslims worldwide focus on pious devotion, prayer, charity, and the cultivation of good character demonstrates how utterly misguided and distant the terrorists are from our faith and the contempt which they hold for its values. Now, Michael Brown editorializes here. I personally believe that, one, some Muslim leaders who denounce terrorism are not sincere and should not be trusted. Two, he's stating his personal beliefs here, okay? So stay with me here. Two, some Muslim leaders denounce terrorism but embrace an Islam that rules by the sword. Three, a case can be made that the truest form of Islam is one that embraces violence for religious causes. But four, he also believes... There are millions of sincere Muslims who are peace-loving and who find support for their views in their own sacred texts, the Quran and the Hadith. For these peace-loving Muslims, violence in the name of Islam would be justified in times of war, in the same way many Christians fighting in our military feel they are doing God's will. For them, a Muslim martyr would be a Muslim who died defending his country or refusing to renounce his faith. But a Muslim who blew himself up to kill non-Muslim men, women, and children would be a bloody terrorist with no connection to Islam and say this as devout Muslims. Obviously, and he closes it this way, and it's already happened. Just stick with me here, what he's saying here. Obviously, writing this article will not win me acceptance in the Muslim world, and that's really the last thing on my mind. But I do love the truth. 
And the truth is that there are many peace-loving, devout, and sincere Muslims. Let's not vilify all because of the beliefs and actions of some. And I'm of the mind that, you know, our the way we're screening migrants and the way we're, you know, because we, we don't know what truth here is in Canada, we don't know what freedom is, we don't know really what we believe, and we don't know what is sacred and what should be protected, that's because we don't know what we believe in this country. You don't know how to. It's the old saying. You've heard me use it before. If you don't take a stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. And in Canada, we don't take a stand for anything. Okay? Everybody's right. Well, when everybody's right, that also means that everybody is wrong at the same time. We have been so dominated by moral relativism that we don't know the difference between right or wrong anymore. The problem is not immigration. The problem is we do not know what we believe. And because we do not know what we believe, we don't know what evil is. Collectively in Canada, especially our leaders and our institutions, academia, media, and government, we do not know the difference between right or wrong anymore. We've abandoned moral absolutes. Our morality is determined by a vote. Our morality is determined by the whims of popular opinion. One person that wasn't swayed by popular opinion is the person that biblical Christians would lay down their life for, and that's Jesus Christ. He wasn't intimidated by anybody, and he warned his followers, okay? They persecuted and killed the prophets, and he said, and you can't really interpret this, and he came right out and said, and I've, tr- I've gone into the original Greek text and I've looked at commentators of what he meant. You can't take away from the pure directness of his words when he said to his disciples. He didn't say this to the masses. He said this to his disciples. In other words, he said this to the people that were serious about following him. He said, if you're serious about following him, all men will hate you because of me. China is probably the greatest example in the world today of the church at its best when it's being persecuted, the church at its best when it's subversive, when it's under the radar, when there's a huge price to pay for your devotion to Christ. We had missionaries in China for, oh, about 100 years, from Hudson Taylor right up to the Cultural Revolution under Mao Zedong. And for our efforts, with China being open to all the missionaries we could send there, we had about a million Christians about one out of every, at that time, with the population of China back then would have been about four or five hundred million. One out of every four hundred people would call themselves, you know, Bible-believing Christians. And then communism took over. And the Christian world thought, oh, the door's being slammed shut in, in China. We will never get the power of the gospel in there. It's over. Our pastors are being jailed, they're being executed, and they've driven out missionaries. They're missionaries that fled out of Mutsi, from Mao Tung that got out of there, and Christians fled by the thousands to, to escape the persecution. Well, everything changed after, you know, the 60s. You get caught with a Bible, you get thrown in jail. They find out that you've got a Bible study going on. In fact, if you're found with a Bible, you go to jail. And if you're a pastor, if you're leading a Christian group, well, that's a cultural subversion. You get executed. Thousands executed. More, hundreds of thousands jailed. And that's why it says in the book of Acts, you know, when, when, when persecution came on the church, you know, that, that people were afraid to join them. But nevertheless, it says in the book of Acts, nevertheless, God 
added to their number daily those that were being saved. So now you got the persecution ramped up in Red China like never before. And a crazy thing happened. Same thing happened under a lot of the, you know, vicious emperors in the first second the first and second centuries of the early church. Maybe you've heard this line, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And the more the authorities persecuted in the first and second centuries under crazy Roman dictators like Nero, Caligula, Antiochus Epiphanes, these people were crazy. They had a hate on for Christians like you because they saw them as a threat. Because when Christians, you know, they don't adhere. I mean, they're you know, we're taught to be obedient to our, our, our rulers and our leaders, but they're not the highest authority in our life. We answer to a higher authority. Oh, totalitarians, they hate that. Anybody with an agenda that wants to control the population, they can't stand it when somebody believes in authority higher than them. And I see a lot of this with the, you know, the, 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 political correct activism and you know it really is it's atheism people that you know people that see somebody as a higher authority than these atheistic isms that are that have taken over our culture we're a threat to them and in red china as the persecution increased will now even the most conservative estimates even the ones that are kind of anti-Christian themselves will tell you that in Red China today, with a population of 1.4 to 1.5 billion, there are at least, at least 150 million Bible-believing Christians, and most of them are underground because they know the price they'll pay, you know, if they, if they find out, you know, that they're, oh, they've got, you know, these like uh, uh, storefront and, and, and uh, these fake churches that operate under the government uh, uh, control to kind, to kind of pretend, oh, yeah, we got religious freedom. There's no religious freedom at all in China. Government monitors everything that comes across the pulpit. And if you preach anything that goes against, you know, what the government uh, uh, agenda is, you're put away. There are thousands of pastors I've heard their testimonies. I've read their, their their stories. I know people that have been my my own uh, uh, in laws. My own in li- laws have smuggled Bibles into China and made contact with the, with the underground church there. In fact, some of the most powerful Christians that we've got here in Canada, some of the most devout followers of Jesus Christ are the Chinese churches here in Canada. They're unbelievable. And I've had that, you know, I've had such rich fellowship. I mean, those people know God. They impress the socks off me because almost every one of them have relatives over in Red China that are suffering under the regime there. So with all the missions work and all of our efforts over there, we had maybe one out of every 400 Chinese people following Christ. But when the persecution came and when people had to pay a price for their faith in Jesus Christ... Now it's 1 in 10. And get this, there's even movements, even though the church is underground, the supernatural power there is incredible. There's even missionary movements in Red China who believe they're called to go to North America to preach the gospel because the culture is so pagan and so wicked. How do you like that? I don't know about you, but I'm impressed with that. I'm really impressed with that. And I can't see, I mean, it, it, it may not be in full force in my lifetime. It very well could be. I'm 57. I think it's quite possible by the time I'm 75 that we will have enforced Sharia law here in Canada. 
It's coming in France and, and, and Britain and Europe. Oh, my goodness. I mean, their agenda to take over uh, Britain is uh, take over Europe is working like clockwork. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of, you know, peace loving Muslims. You know, they may pronounce their distaste and, you know, uh, uh, be upset with what, you know, the jihadist faction of Islam is doing. But, you know, peace-loving Muslims, they're as intimidated by the jihadists as much as the Christians and the Jews are. They're not going to stop them because, you know, when it comes right down to it, even though those people are jihadists, they still rec- they're still recognized by peace-loving Muslims as most of the peace-loving Muslims, as, as Muslims. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the number to call. That's the long distance line. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. JC at late night council is the email address. You want to sneak one in before the end of the program here tonight. JC at late night council dot com. And uh, you can tweet at me at JW Council. I would like somebody to email. I'm really getting a lot of interference in my headphones here. It sounds like the like the like the broadcast is clipping and going in and out and thump, 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 like that stuff going on in the background. If you are hearing that, somebody email me and tell me if whether it's coming out loud and clear or whether you hear interference. Okay, and it, it's intermittent. I don't know what's causing it. I'm trying to position my headphones and I'm fooling around with some cords here, but I'm still getting some intermittent clipping here and and. Uh, if you want to email me and let me know if it sounds good, great. If it's just going on in my headphones, I can put up with it. But if it's coming over the air, that's that's a bit of a pain in the neck. Hopefully it isn't. We will be right back, I promise you. But in the meantime, here's a little bit of info filler for you, and then we'll be right back. Stay with us. So I'm reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 5624766 Our call service is automated. So you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now don't sweat that. Just follow the on-air prompts and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at tuneinradio.com or Google Play or just click the listen live button at latenightcouncil.com. But you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder.
Late Night Council does not exist without advertisers. So if you want to buy time, email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. And the rates are so cheap because, you know, we're just relaunching and getting things going again. You are going to absolutely love the rates. And, of course, your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. We're back live in just a few seconds. So hang in there. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Welcome back. So Michael sent me a, an email here, and it says, uh, and thank you, Michael. He says that that clipping is coming out over the air, and uh, I will do. I have no idea where it's coming from. I mean, I'm not saying anything right now, and it's still. Hear that? I have no idea what's causing that. Going to have to get my technical people in here and take a good look and go through the thing with a fine tooth comb and. Find out what in the world's going on. We'll get to the bottom of it, though, okay? Promise you. In the meantime, another 12, 13 minutes, and we'll try and put up with it. So, Michael, thank you about that. And uh, Michael also sent me an email. It says, okay, from that article that I just quoted from Michael Brown, where are Muslims demonstrating in the EU and U.S. and Canada, you know, against this kind of stuff? Well, most of them are intimidated by anything because the jihadists, they know the Muslim community better than they know, you know, the Christian and the Jewish community. And the intimidation against peace-loving Muslims in Europe, it, you can't imagine what it's like. So you got a lot of imams that are standing up and making these proclamations. And you know what? It's sad. Media isn't covering, you know, devout Muslims coming out and, and uh, uh, you know, denouncing Islam because, I don't know, it, War is good for business when it comes to news. They love to put their spin on it. They like to create the impression that the only people that are going after Muslims are, you know, Christians and Jews. So I, I can't answer that, okay? There are not a lot of demonstrations in, in, in Europe against, by Muslims against Muslims. And I've said this often, okay? Uh, you know, the greatest number of people being killed by terrorist acts are Muslims. 
because they've been fighting. The Shias and the Sunnis, they hate each other. Shias, Shiite Muslims and Sunni Muslims, they hate each other as much as they hate Jews and they hate Christians. Why do you think they haven't been able to drive Israel out of the out of uh, you know the the you know that uh, uh, eastern corner of the Mediterranean? Take a look at a map. Israel, you know, population seven million, surrounded by the Arab world, with a total population of about four hundred million. Every one of those countries, with maybe the exception of Jordan and Lebanon, Jordan and Lebanon, you know, if Syria and Egypt and Yemen and Iran and Iraq, if they came and nuked. Israel, Jordan and Lebanon, they probably wouldn't shed too many tears, uh, tears, okay? They're kind of like on the fence, those two countries, okay? But the rest of those countries, they hate Israel. They want to drive them into the sea. They wanted to do that ever since 1948. They tried to do it when they, uh, in 48. They tried to do it in 56. They tried to do it in 67 with the Six-Day War. They attacked Israel. And, oh, my goodness, the historical revisionist spin that the media plays on the Six-Day War, especially with the anniversary of the Six-Day War, that you know, the 50th anniversary was just a, a couple weeks ago, last week. And they painted as if, oh, Israel attacked. They were, they were, they were ambushed. And Syria and Egypt had no idea that they were gonna, they were gonna lose that war spectacularly as they did, because they're the ones that started it. Why have they not been able to? Why have four hundred million people, you know, who most of them want Israel driven into the sea? Why have they not been able to do it? Because they fight amongst themselves as much as they fight against Israel. If the Sunnis and the Shiites could ever unite, and you know, then they'd be able to do something. But they're they're. What do you think the Iran the Iraq War was all about? That was the Sunnis versus the Shiites. They hate each other, and that's why. And you know, you've got you've got extremist Sunnis and you got extremist Shias too. It's not just one; is that they both have their, their their jihadists on their side. But they disagree over a theological, over theology. And boy, if they disagree, there are enough scriptures in the Quran that if you interpret them a certain way, boy, well, that's why there's been war. That's why they've been fighting each other. That's why they kill each other. Thank God they've settled down in Northern Ireland because, you know, I know the critics say, well, you Christians fight with each other, too. Hey, look at the only place in the last 100 years where that was going on was in Northern Ireland. And the Protestants there were horrible representatives of what Christianity is about. And the Catholics there were horrible representatives of what Christianity was all about. The rest of the Christian world, when we talk about Northern Ireland, and and thank God that there's some peace that's come there in the last 20, 30 years, but from up until about 1990 when the IRA and then Sinn Féin and all those crazy groups were battling against each other, you're talking about a half, no, not even that, a quarter of a percent of Christendom not being able to get along with, with each other to the to that degree. And 99 and three quarters of a percent of the Christian world and the rest of the world, whenever you would mention Northern Ireland, we'd roll our eyes and say, well, Irish, what's wrong with those people? Smarten the heck up. And be Christians instead of Catholic or Protestant. I mean, it took a professional hockey team, the Belfast Giants, to come into Belfast and get both sides rooting for the same hockey team. Reader's Digest did an article 10 years ago on how they did more to unite the religious factions in Northern Ireland than any other force in the last 100 years. How crazy is that? The point I'm making is when you talk about factions within a religion, oh, my goodness, man. Islam seems to have cornered the market on that. 
I don't have a lot of time left, but I do have somebody on the line. I'm going to bring him on. Who's on air? Who's there? Hi, John. It's Peter. Hi, Peter. How you doing? What's on your mind? Good, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's first time calling in. Oh, cool, oh, cool. You know good. what? <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what? That still is a fa- that still is a factor on the show is, but the problem is it's a little slow, you know. But nevertheless, you know, <laughs> it's a little more sophisticated now. You know, it's got ni- like nicer. So, anyway, yeah, so so I've been looking for you since uh, you left CFRA, and I finally found your podcast this week. So I listen. Here we are, couple- Peter. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like so, what but, you hear uh, so far? Yes, I do. Uh, I just uh, I have trouble with the uh, the live streaming. You're cutting in and out. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's a, we, we've got some technical issues going on right now, and I got to get to the bottom of that. I don't know what's going on here. The, yeah, the, I'm not talking about the clipping because I hear the clipping as well. It's just I guess that my bandwidth is a little narrow, so you, oh, I'm you sorry. cut in and out, and I got to. But anyways, yeah, it's uh, the best I can do, Peter. To, pardon me. It's the best I can do, Peter. No, that's great. No, this is awesome. This Good. is awesome. I'm glad you're on the air. Uh, I said you a sermon by my pastor called "Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting." I don't know if you had a chance to watch that. There. When did you When did you send that? What, 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 did you send an email uh, or what? I sent it down uh, yesterday morning. I think it was. Yeah, I'll send you, it again. To you, you sent it to me but, via uh, email or Facebook or what? No, email. JC at late night council dot com. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. I got I got nothing in my. I'll I'll check okay. the other files. It might have filtered it out somehow, but uh, I'll check it okay. out. And I'll send it again. But uh, I know you're running out of time here. Um, You know, there's so much confusion now. And we have to remember that we are not not wrestling against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. First of all, you know, we're, (laughs) I mean, Satan is extremely powerful. And and we, we, we forget that, that all is chaos. Like, we can talk about... You know, Islam fighting Islam, but he's the king of chaos. He just wants to destroy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. to do with God. He is I don't, jealous of God. Peter, I don't use that terminology that much when I'm on the broadcast, because my target yeah. audience are people that are unchurched, that don't know the the Christian terminology, okay? You and I get okay. that, because I can tell you've got, you're coming from a church background, and I'm not disagreeing with anything that you say. But when you yeah. start talking about the devil and everything, people kind of roll their eyes, and, and, and it's not that they're right. It's just those are the people I'm trying to communicate with. So no, that's fine. I, yeah. I, I, I do my best to communicate in their terms, not on their terms, but in their terms. You know, But I, I know what you're saying is true, okay? I mean, that's why yeah. nobody can pin this whole explosion of evil on any one group well you and i know where it's coming from the devil is the author of terrorism the devil is the author of totalitarianism and 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 political correctness the devil is the author of the of the outright persecution and hatred of anything that has to do with biblical morality he's the one thread that goes all through it you know and the names and the organizations and you know the isms they change but that doesn't. Yeah. And I often wonder about that scripture that says, towards the time of the end, he will be loosed for a season. Because it seems as mm-hmm. though the deception and it seems as though the spiritual and moral blindness is is insane anymore. I don't even use the term common sense because look at the oh, leaders. Wrong is right and right is wrong. Look at right the now. leaders. Look at the leaders that so-called common sense want leading us now. Look at what the majority is 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 electing in in our country here. I mean, it's 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 insane. We're living in a time like as scripture says when 
right is wrong and wrong is right. It's Romans 1. Romans 1, 18 to 32. Hmm. Okay? You've yeah. just found me on the broadcast, okay, uh, uh, Peter? But I'm telling you right now, yeah. I mean, it, it's a recurring theme on Sunday nights when I do this show. I am bringing up, and you, read it before you go to bed tonight. You'll, you'll, you'll knock it off in five minutes, okay? Romans yeah, I read one, it last night after, you, yeah. after your other broadcast. Romans right? 1, 18, yeah. 32. Yeah. I mean, that's our world right now. That's how crazy Second it is. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, like you said earlier. I know. Tonight. I know. Good hearing from you, Peter. But, Call uh, in again. Okay, and I'll send you that email again. Yeah, do that. Do that. Keep sending it until Thank I acknowledge you, that. Until I acknowledge that I've got it. Okay. Okay. Stay on the air, eh, bro? I'm doing my best, man. We, I'm doing my best. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Take care. Good night. Good having you on. There goes Peter. Anyway, is he there? Oh, you know what? I think I did. I think I might have. No, I didn't. Okay, good. I thought I might have dropped myself. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I'm still on there. Still on. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, we're almost done anyway. I was going to talk about the Pope tonight. Now, I generally, I like this guy, especially when, you know, he refused to live in the Vatican mansion. And, you know, he spent Christmas with the poor instead of going through some big elaborate mass that, you know, only Catholics care about. There's things about Pope Francis I really, really like, but he says some stupid things. And the stupid clipping is on again there. I'm sorry, guys. I'm really, really sorry. I have no idea where this is coming from. Here's the latest, okay? Pope Francis, okay, God cannot be God without man, he said. Said that this week. God cannot be God without man. Huh? And then his, his press people are always saying, well, what he meant to say was, listen, if this guy's the Pope, you would, he shouldn't need the press secretary to explain what he means. Pope Francis made this, Pope Francis made the comments while trying to explain to a group of pilgrims and other faithful travelers that scripture shows that it isn't in God's nature to leave man alone. Okay, we know that. Dear brothers and sisters, we are never alone. We may be distant, hostile. We may even profess ourselves to be without God. But the gospel of Jesus Christ shows us that God, listen to this. The gospel of Jesus Christ shows us that God cannot stay without us. The Pope said, according to a summary of his comments provided by the Holy See Press Office, he will never be a God. This is what he said. He will never be a God without man. It is he who cannot stay without us. And this is a great mystery. God cannot be God without man. The great mystery, it is this, he said. Come on. You're supposed to make truth understandable to people, Pope. You're not supposed to confuse them. You're not supposed to. That's a dumb thing to say. For a Christian leader, that is a dumb, dumb thing to say. First rule of public discourse. If you can be misinterpreted, you will be misinterpreted. I'm here to help. You know, obviously he needs some coaching. Doesn't seem to, you know, always hit it on the PR department there very well. I'm easy to find, Pope. JC at LateNightCouncil.com on email. And for the rest of you, you can get a hold of me during the week. We're out of time. I got to go. I got a life to live. I got a church to pastor. Oh, I love my church. You know, if you're in the capital region, I can actually invite you now. You know, we meet at the Jules Moran Fieldhouse in Lower Town. In fact, if you go to if you type in Christchurch Ottawa on Facebook, you're going to get some info about us. And the website's going to be up and running this week. This week, the website ChristchurchOttawa.com is going to be released. You're going to know what I'm up to and what I'm knocking myself out and having a blast doing during the week. In the meantime, 
Tell people about the podcast. Send me an email. Tell me how you're doing. Tell me how it's sounding. Have you got any advice on how I can get rid of this clipping here? I'd love to hear from it. Have a good night. Good having you with us.